Welcome to another episode of Polyphony. This week we have with us Mel Danicky, who is the president of Viridian Productions, in addition to being a performer with Six Appeal and Muse. We also have Charlie Friday, who is the owner and engineer of Clear Harmonies, in addition to performing with Euphemism and Snow Day. And our discussion today is going to be about the future of recording. And here is Aaron to kick us off. Thanks, Rachel. I'd love to start by kind of talking about what things were like before COVID around sort of what was the mix of what you were doing between, for example, live audio, studio sessions? Give us a, kind of the picture of what the world was like before. And Charlie, maybe you can kick us off. Okay, great. Well, I was primarily a live engineer. My company that I own with my wife, Amanda, Clear Harmonies, we do everything, arranging, coaching, performing, events management, booking, live audio, studio production. But me personally, mostly I was involved with our recording sort of branch. I was mostly involved with like mixed feedback and sales and just coordination with our clients. And I think that, you know, prior to this, we were split pretty evenly into three verticals, which would be, you know, of events where we were performing or providing a performing group, live concerts where we were providing audio support and then recording product, like any kind of like audio video production. Did COVID sort of hit all three of those in equal measure? I mean, was it equally destructive to all or there are there glimmers in some areas and others? And kind of how have those three verticals fared so well so far i think obviously the hardest hit is the live concerts our events we're seeing parts of our events looking for alternatives we had a lot of caroling a lot of caroling services that we would provide last year and i mean for the last several years but last year was an especially big year for us and we are starting to hear murmurs that people might be interested in virtual caroling for the virtual office party i we'll see if that pans out or not but and then our performing groups our other performing groups like academic you know some of our groups are snow day does academic shows and we are working with our agent and the state arts council to provide sort of a la carte. We're providing uh, asynchronous programming for schools and we're developing that that currently. Live audio production is totally gone. Me being the sort of slightly pessimistic realist, I don't think we're going to see any sort of collegiate or live events really come back until maybe spring 2022 at the earliest based on how we're seeing colleges start up this fall. And recording in AV actually has been doing pretty much the same. It's changed what we're doing. We're doing a lot of, let's say, less technically clean recordings (laughs) a lot of a lot of cell phone video a lot of you know whatever people can get their hands on as far as audio and just like making the best of it and a lot of video production to go along with that virtual choirs have been really popular obviously but so i think that's been obviously the the live stuff was kind of devastating but you know that's that's kind of to be expected i think based on what's going on i mean you gotta put safety first for sure mel how about for you kind of what was the picture before and and what are things trending like now Yeah, so I don't do live sound. Not that I don't do it, but it's not something I really like to do. So I don't really offer that. And I really do. I I mean, my personal passion is is developing sounds in the studio and producing and working with singers in the recording process. So that's kind of the part that I was excited about going into this spring. I had a lot of sessions lined up this spring. I had workshops this spring with high schools and colleges and being in Six Appeal and Muse. You know, Muse was supposed to headline the New Jersey Highlands Vocal Festival. And then uh, Six Appeal was supposed to be the featuring act at Camp Acapella. And we were going to, and I was going to teach, and it was going to be 
the craziest, most busy spring and summer that I've had. And, you know, as acapella engineers, our summers are usually dedicated to that post-production process. That's the bulk of it. And so, you know, it's been a very big change. You know, a lot of those sessions went away because schools closed and groups can't get together. Everything is postponed. It's not even canceled. It's just postponed and dates keep getting pushed back push back, push back, you know, to the point where I go, well, when is it going to get canceled? (laughs) But, you know, so that's kind of, that was the scariest part in the beginning as a producer is seeing your work start to disappear. And you just for a moment panic and go, what is going to be next? Because there's a moment and there was a moment in time where we were all like, what is this thing? We don't know what it is. There's parts of it, of course, that we're still figuring out. I mean, and by we, I really mean like the scientists and doctors of the world. But, you know, as an artist, I'm thinking like, okay, how do I fit in in this now? What's going to be next? And trying to figure out the next steps. And, you know, the first things that came out in April and May were virtual choirs and people trying so hard to take the opportunity that instead of looking at the threats, looking at the opportunities and going, okay, this is something I can do. So that's something that throughout this process, I've been thinking, well, instead of letting this thing, you know, take over my life and let it like devastate my company or whatever. I'm trying to look at it in a way that's like, where are the opportunities here? So I think a lot of it in the beginning was all of those sessions got canceled. School is canceled. So when school is canceled, we also are kind of out of it, out of that work. I mean, that's kind of what it looked like in the spring. Are you seeing, you know, Charlie talked about the live stuff basically just being gone for the most part and probably being gone for a while. Because so much of your focus is on the production in the studio, do you feel like there may be opportunities for that to resurrect itself a little sooner, conceivably? Is there a brighter light there, perhaps? 100%. Yeah. If we were in the 90s or like early 90s, late 80s, I would say no. But because we now have everything is accessible, every Mac comes with GarageBand or some kind of DAW. We have access to downloading free software and free digital audio workstations, cheap USB microphones that don't sound too bad. I mean, we of course, we're always striving for the best quality and source material we can. But I mean, there are so many things that are accessible now. And so I think that it's a lot easier for groups to either record themselves with guidance from a professional acapella producer. You can record people through Zoom. There's a plugin that you can listen in on someone else's session. Like very clearly, you can hear exactly what's going inside of their microphone rather than just hearing what's going on in the room like a Zoom call. You can hear exactly that direct audio into your computer. It's the craziest thing. And you could even remote control someone else's session so they can just focus on the singing as though you're in the same room as them. So I do think that there's the, again, it's like the threat is COVID, but the opportunity opportunity is how can we work around it? And what are the materials and resources that we have at our disposal out there so we can continue to move forward? And that's what I've been seeing a lot of since school's starting up is how can we safely move forward? Really, how can we safely move forward? Right. Right. I was going to say, I actually, I agree with Mel 100%. I said, I'm, we just actually had a strategy meeting today, but I'm actually more concerned about the the financial side of it. Because while there is opportunity to record people at home, and there is opportunity to get them with decent sounding equipment, if the students aren't on campus, 
it's highly likely that these schools will turn everyone's activities budget down to zero. So the groups that are not financially independent will have to self-fund. And it will be less expensive because they are not flying Mel or Alex in halfway across the country to record them. So there'll, there'll be some cost savings there. But I think it's still going to be a challenge for a lot of the groups to pull the money together. Because colleges are going to be specifically are going to be, you know, if everyone goes home, they're going to be freaking out financially. Um, oh, for sure. For the rest of the school year. So that's sort of what we're coming from. Speaking of the money side of that, I mean, Mel, you were talking about using this as an opportunity and doing a lot of personal and professional development in this window of time as well. It seemed like you had set up a really nice sort of diversification of revenue streams and things like that with Musée and Six Appeal and the studio work and all the things. And then it was like, it all kind yeah. of happened at the same time how are you figuring out strategies to you know eat and things like that yeah oh yeah I think the biggest thing when you're when you're a musician is you have to wear a lot of hats and so for me I taught voice lessons throughout the entire summer and I was teaching anyway throughout the year at a, at a high school here but everything was virtual so in a way I prefer of course to for lessons to not be virtual because that energy and that and the and being in front of a student is a lot more helpful with voice lessons but the unfortunate convenience of being behind zoom like afforded me a lot more time that you know, I would be traveling to go here and there. So teaching was one thing that I did with Six Appeal. You know, we started in Musee, we started a Patreon and started cranking out a lot more music. And so it gave us the that time that we would have spent revving up a gig, gave us the opportunity to then work on our skills as recording musicians. And some of it we call content and some of it we call actual like artistic work. And that's been really helpful. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, cranking out production, it's been kind of cool. The work that I'm seeing, cause I'm starting to get some more instrumental work and it's from people that have been in the acapella world and beyond. So I'm kind of diversifying my producer palette by working on other instruments and other styles of music beyond acapella. And for me, that's taking that time that I have now is awesome because I get to really educate myself further as a producer. So that's been re that's been really great. Yeah. Well, for live, there's not really anything, but I we always have been really diverse in what we're doing over here. So I, I've done a lot of teaching. We're doing a lot of consulting and helping out with other any aspect of production. I've also been working on developing some some new performance opportunities for you know when things open back up with some of the people that I've met working with Disney and Columbia artists. So that's exciting for the future. But I think that it's really been a time for us to sort of take stock of everything that we were doing and, and look for new opportunities. And I mean, during these kind of these kind of periods, you know, there always is opportunity. I mean, it's terrible, but things this is when things change and totally new avenues open up that weren't there we'll, before and are completely vacant and you can just dive right in. So and we'll talk yeah. about those opportunities in just a moment, but we have to take a short break. Stick with us and on the other side we'll be talking about new offerings, new approaches, new tech, new skills, things like that that people can do. Are there ways for or new ways for groups and artists to leverage recording and mixing and some of the offerings that our guests have. And we'll be talking about deals and other ways that you can make some barrier breakdown barriers for groups. We'll be back in just a little bit, so stick with us. There's more on the other side. Are you an aspiring sound engineer? Have we got a show for you? The Headroom Podcast is a podcast for aspiring sound engineers in the contemporary acapella genre. Join Kyle Howard and Ricky Jabarin as they break down the different stages of audio production and chat with other producers about their techniques to achieving the best sound. 
You can find the Headroom Podcast on Acaville Radio Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Remember, Acaville is the place where you can find all the latest in acapella information. And we're back on Polyphony, and we are so thrilled to have an additional guest with us. We have Alex Green, who is co-owner, producer, and engineer with Plaid Productions, and is formerly with the Tufts Amalgamates. Hello! We welcome back Mel Danicky and Charlie Friday, and here's Aaron to take us through this next segment. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, welcome, Alex. I wonder, one of the things we were talking about before the break was Mel was, was sharing, kind of using this as an opportunity to explore new ideas ideas and new offerings and new approaches and that sort of thing. And I wonder if that's been something that during this kind of fallow period uh, that you've had an opportunity to do or spending some time doing as well. Yeah, sure. There's There have been kind of two sides of it. There is the, well, I simply have to work in different ways. I am actually not in what I guess would be considered my normal studio space right now. I'm out on Long Island. I've been staying with my grandpa since he is unable to go anywhere, really, for the last, what is time? Months? Now, sure. I, now, I don't Decades? know. Decades? It's unclear. Uh, uh, <laughs> some indeterminate period of time at which when I came here, I was wearing winter clothes and now I'm wearing shorts. So that's my estimation of time right now. So that's already different. I'm like getting back into weirdly like my roots where I started mixing, never using monitors, only with headphones and now not sponsored content, but Sonarworks is great. Um, <laughs> it is. Sonarworks is wonderful. For those of you who don't know, it makes your headphones sound more like music. That's the best way to explain it without getting into an ad. So that part's been nice. Being able to have these tools available so you can actually listen to your work and do it as close to the way you would in a treated studio space is great. The other part of it is obviously like we have more time to do whatever. So depending on some groups, some people do hourly rate stuff. Some people are on big package deals. So those groups who I end up working with who they have a flat rate. It doesn't matter how long it takes to get something done. I just say, well, this this is cool. I like this. Before it might have been like, well, you know, I have to finish this today and then I have this other thing tomorrow. And now it's like, tomorrow I'm picking tomatoes. So <laughs> why not? Alex, are you finding that clients are sort of reciprocally kind of more lenient with deadlines and timelines as well? I mean, is there a, a bit of grace on all sides of this? Oh, yeah. I mean, put simply, what are deadlines? It's not like people are trying to get a song out in time to promo a show because there are no shows. They can't sell an album at an on-campus event because there are no on-campus events. So we get to concentrate more on like, is this what you want it to be? Does this sound like your vision? As opposed to like, cool, like this is getting there, but like also it has to be done tomorrow. So we get to, I say get to, we we get to, we have to, we, whatever other opportunity words exist, do more with the stuff that we have. And it's not that we don't pay this kind of creative attention to everything we do in the first place. It's just that there's, I guess, more brain space available for it because you're not thinking about the logistics of the following week because of the following week as well. I'm here right. for the foreseeable future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, We no longer have to operate under the um, done is better than none philosophy. Yeah, now it's... Like, do I want to call this done do, or do I want to have something to do tomorrow? Which is great because that also, it reminds me of the best work practices that sometimes get skewed. Like, you know, taking ear breaks or stretching. Uh-huh. Because we have time for that again. Yes. <laughs> As opposed to, well, I have to finish these three songs in two days. Overload. I can eat later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Life will happen later. Mel, you talked about broadening your skill set a little bit and doing more instrumental stuff. Are you finding that that work informs the the acapella, the vocal work back? I mean, is it kind of developing 
your muscles in different ways? Yeah, 100%. I was actually in a class today and it was just like a class that I'm taking with a producer because I feel like it's one of those, like one of my whole philosophies in education is you can just, you can never stop learning. So I was like, I'm just going to learn from this guy that's done like dance hall and reggaeton and R&B and rappers and beat making. And, you know, I asked him about how would you treat a beatbox track? And he kind of went through the process of like, well, here's how I would do it if in this one fell swoop, but like you might want to take out like their kicks or there's, and I was like, cool. So, so you think how I think and like the way that we both think in our own genres is very similar. And so like the way they would treat a kick is, is kind of similar the, to the way that we would treat, treat a beatbox kick and, and kind of seeing how they would treat a lead vocal with instruments and going into their sessions. And then I mean like contemporary sessions that are happening now and not our like YouTube from 2008. So it's kind of cool to see that process being broken down and feeling like, oh, these are things that I do now with acapella and kind of seeing how they jive together. It is really cool. And then seeing what I could be doing more of or less of. Yeah. Is that, is what you're able to do changed by virtue of the slightly deprecated source material that you're getting? I mean, you talked about, you know, the quality of the input is a little different because you're getting a lot of remote stuff. Does that create additional challenges downstream for you? Sure. Yeah, I think I'm taking a lot more time working. I mean, I'm sure Charlie and Alex could say the same thing. I'm taking a lot more time working on individual vocal tracks, especially if they're recorded on a phone. I'm fixing a lot more than I am polishing and making something out of it. Like I have to fix it kind of first. And that's a challenge. It just takes longer. It's like very tedious, but I'm, I'm obviously willing to do it to make it sound as quality as you can from a, from a phone. But you know, if it's like on a lead vocal, I always try and say, Hey, can you, can you maybe retract this? Because it is the lead and that's kind of the focus of the song. So that can be, that can be hard to work with, but you know, if it's possible to retract things, with the group there's a lot of communication with that like how can we make this sound better is it possible to retract on a better microphone can we try doing it this way or you know and it does take up a little bit more time with the artist or the group to retract those things or you know discover the better ways to to have a to approach it in the future. And so like right now I'm doing with clients, I'm doing a lot of video education where if I open a session up that, that I'm being sent, I'll send them a quick video and be like, hey, next time you send a session, think about this so that they feel like, okay, cool. Next time this is gonna be easier for the mixing engineer to approach it in this way. Or next time you track it, why don't you try this? Yeah. Yeah. Charlie, as you start to ramp back some of the, the studio production stuff, since it sounds like that's gonna come back sooner than the live by probably an order of magnitude. Are there different kinds of considerations that you would advise clients about what to do to prepare to work with an engineer? I mean, Mel was talking about sort of having to go back and forth and iterate around things like you should really be using a microphone for this, for example, and not a phone. I mean, are there other considerations that someone would want would need to think about more these days, you think? I would say the biggest consideration is just remember to still give a good performance because there's you're not recording in a special space that's been set aside for this. Like we're in our living rooms or, you know, everyone's at home and there's there's distractions and loud things. And I was just actually on a Cal, a Contemporary Acapella League seminar <laughs> about this where we went over that, you know, remember that what you're doing is, you know, is musical and, that, you know, the recording quality is only going to get 
so far. And actually the people that we've been talking to, I actually do, which I don't talk about a whole lot. I do a fair amount of like noise reduction and audio restoration for YouTube people, especially in like the vintage retro community where they're pulling audio off of old VHS tapes and things like that. And so we have like, I have the tool set to do all that, which has been really helpful in kind of fixing some of the worst case scenario tracks where sometimes you can't restore. But in a lot of cases, I mean, it, it's just, it's not really something that people need to worry about because, you know, it is either, you know, you have, we have all these tools that we didn't have access to even 10 years ago to fix things like that if you, if you can't re record it. But also, we're all stuck at home with nothing to do. You probably have time to re record it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like and, and maybe make some changes and adjust and i think the only real important consideration is you know sync and making sure everything is like the right file type because that can get a little hinky and and not the biggest thing hey everybody out there don't record yourself using a video file on your phone because then it does a variable frame rate which changes all of the all of the audio bit rates and stuff and it makes it go up and down so it's hard to sync but you can fix that but it's just like that's not ideal i definitely think that there's it's just one of those things it's, it's become harder you know we're all getting detached from music i mean amanda and i sing around the house but it's been you know for me gosh since the last couple of days in december since i've actually sang with anybody and that that's you know you know the last 10 years i've been in rehearsals usually four days a week so that's a huge change and that's a huge change for everybody and we're, we're feeling disconnected from each other and you know just remembering that that feeling and i also one of the things that i'm always recommending too is that you try to get like the solid singers done first and send people like a bed track even if it's not edited, it doesn't have to be edited just so people feel like the, the, the people that aren't as confident feel like they're not just singing to a click and a piano in isolation and can get a better performance. Hmm. For sure. Alex, from the other side of the coin, if, if you're in a group and you are starting to think about engaging someone, you know, engaging some production assistance, engineering assistance, are there different considerations now in this sort of distributed universe where you may not be seeing anybody in person anymore ever, and it may be from their <laughs> granddad's bedroom? Or, I mean, what's the scene like now if you're trying to hire someone, do you think? Honestly, if you're trying to hire people, it's all, at this point, as far as I can tell, based on reputation of what they've done in the past, there's like a whole bunch of people coming up who are essentially new in every way to like, hey, I want to do acapella production, who are 19 and have never opened a DAW before. But they want to learn. And that's the more interesting part. Like, I've had a lot of consultations with people who are starting out what now way younger than I was when I first opened up any kind of recording software. And they're like, hey, what do I do? I know I'm going to be bad at this. Just like, tell me where to start. And that's great. But on the other end of the spectrum, for what's it like hiring someone, you hire someone you trust. Like you, people aren't, unless they're going for like a, we don't have money, we just need to make something happen situation. If you have a reputation, you're going to get hired. And if you don't, you probably won't. And now is the time to build a reputation for yourself using yourself. The best practice for anyone trying to like break into the scene right now, so to speak. First of all, like don't expect to have a career right now. This is not the time to start a career in recording music. This is, you can wait till later for that. This is where you acquire the skills. This is where you record yourself on like six songs and the first five sound like butt and the sixth one you're like, oh, that's how I bass. And then it builds from there. Easily the base, the best and biggest learning experiences for me were working on like the collaborative recording and plaid project stuff that me and Coots did for the first like three or four years of working where at 
acapella festivals or just by ourselves. We just record a bunch of stuff and be like, what works here? Hey, Scott Hoying, sing this riff. Fun stuff. And that's where you acquire those skills that are like, now that I see this thing later, now I know what to do with it instead of spending four hours like, well, how do I make a snare sound good? Now it takes, you know, five seconds instead of trying to figure out your entire work process. That kind of tangented to other stuff there. But the original <laughs> question was about like, how do you go about hiring someone the same way you always would? You listen to what uh, you listen to their work. You figure out if you like their style. You talk to them like a human being. I still chuckle every time I get emails that are sent as if me, I, myself, am like a 40-person business who like would deign to answer someone. And I'm like, good day, good sir. Yeah, like, warmest regards. <laughs> warmest regards. And I'm like, yes. hey there, let's get on a video chat and talk. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, th- that's the other thing. Like, the most human connection you can make, that's how you hire someone and get hired. You want to see them face-to-face and talk through the ideas that you have. I just did the same thing with a group at Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago, you know, before they closed again. And, like, half the conversation was, how are we going to make music? And the other half was like, hey, so the world's messed up. And you has, you still have to have that kind of human connection with a person. And that I find that ends up happening a lot more in, uh, like client prospecting calls than it used to before it was like cool so these are the logistics this is our budget this is what we're looking to do and now it's like yeah those are all those details but like alex was talking about was the accessibility on the the sort of creator the the engineer perspective but i wonder about accessibility for groups Uh, i mean is this an opportunity for groups that may not have had a big budget to do this to now have an opportunity to maybe do it are there are there deals to be had are there opportunities for previously non-recording groups to maybe branch out and engage someone do you think yeah 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 i don't know if i don't because i, I wouldn't say if there were deals necessarily uh, what do you what do you think mel yeah i think this is a huge opportunity for groups to take this and run with it take this opportunity that you are not going to be together for example Right now I have an intern and my intern is currently in college and he's taking this internship as college credit at the college I went to, Ithaca College. So college way too much in that run on. So just to clarify, we're talking about college then, Mel? We are talking about college. But right now he his intern project is, hey, it's COVID time. We're going to do with your acapella group, with Ithaca Capella. We're going to make a recording. You're going to arrange it. You're going to create a schedule from start to finish. Do everything in the whole process, arranging part tapes. He even had sectionals virtually with uh, his group. And now he's in the midst of remote recording and sending out his own microphones for his group to record with. And it's a really great learning opportunity for these groups to figure out what a micro like we are all singers and we use microphones so much but we don't always take the time to learn about them and what's going to be the best for our own voices and this is a really great opportunity for education and to say okay what is this like sm7 like is this going to be good for me singing or is this good for beatboxing is this you know is what's the cheapest condenser i can get that's going to make me sound okay this is the time to do that and so the cool thing is groups can do that virtually they can sanitize and pass around a microphone you know as long as they're in a vicinity um, in the same town or you can like package up a microphone but that can be that could be scary and I know people are doing that now but at the same time 
that's an opportunity to make some online stuff happen. It's you're not really singing with each other, but you're gaining new skills. And it's a really cool thing to work with like one of us on is is building that skill and being in touch with a producer that has been doing this and ask, how can I do this efficiently? What are the best steps that we can go about this? And if they're like, I don't really want to do this mixing and editing, there's an opportunity for for all of us to connect in that way and say, okay, well, I can walk you through the steps or I can I can do that work for you and help you record. So yeah, I think it's a it's a big opportunity for these groups that would have never really done something like this because they're too occupied with auditions and and some groups still are auditioning, of course. They need to continue to move forward, but you know, they're not having shows. This is their opportunity to create a show. Yeah. Well, we will have so much more with Mel, Charlie, and Alex. We need to take a short little break. And on the other side, we'll be talking about the impacts of the on the industry as a whole in the foreseeable future and what opportunities are available if this ends sooner than we think or goes a bit longer than we think and when these folks might feel more comfortable getting back to live events. So stick with us. That will be on the other side. And this is Polyphony. We'll be right back. Have you heard Tacapella? Hosted by Brian Alexander and Alicia Edwards, it's an hour of conversation with some of the most fascinating people in acapella, covering topics from building a group remotely to rehearsal strategies to strengthening your brand. Tacapella goes deep and brings out the insights. With over a hundred episodes and counting, there's still so much to talk about. The show airs Tuesdays at 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. West, and again on rebroadcast Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. East, 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. West. And we're back with this last segment of Polyphony. Again, we have Mel Danicky, who's the president of Viridian Productions, Charlie Friday, owner and engineer at Clear Harmonies, and Alex Green, co-owner, producer, and engineer with Plaid Productions. And here's Aaron. Thanks, Rachel. Charlie, I wonder what your thoughts are about what happens to this industry if this continues for a while longer? Uh, a while being defined conceivably as a year or more. Uh, I mean, between the the events and the demand at the kind of, you know, pro Disney de Capella touring event, but also, you know, studio stuff to collegiate, post-collegiate, high school. A lot of things seem like they're in kind of suspended animation. Is that going to eventually take a more permanent toll, do you think? I definitely think so. I think that the academic group, like I think high school groups will be fine. If you just want to start there and we'll go up, I think they're going to be fine. That's a lot of a much higher percentage of acapella programs are are accredited classes or attached to a music department directly in high school level. At colleges, you know, right now it's going to be fine. Depending on how long this goes, I think that we could start seeing, you know, budgets getting constricted, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Hopefully that won't be the case. I think that colleges are, it's just going to be, you know, for that. I, th- I think that the events, and that's in general, I think events are going to be very slow to come back. So we have a couple of schools where we have contracts with the school to do all of their acapella shows. And so we just interact directly with the student activities staff to book those generally. And they were talking about like the first foray back into it is probably going to be a live stream slash recording where we'll come in, bring microphones and monitor and mixer. They'll go in the space. There will be nobody in there except us and a supervisor in their group. And we'll live stream the show with, you know, our normal mic setup or and or record that. And that'll be their spring concert or whatever. And then I think the I think really the hardest hit is going to be the let's the professional groups that are not like 
pentatonics and the swingle singers and you know straight no chaser like the the non-industry acts because i don't uh, you know unfortunate as it is i don't think uh, a lot of venues are going to survive this they're going to get shut down they are not going to get bailed out by anybody and the ones that do remain are going to want a surefire sellout to try and recover so in the holidays it's not going to be like hey you know it'd be great to have you know snow day come do a christmas show here that'd be really nice it's going to be like put the nutcracker ballet in there every night and we're going to sell out and we're going to make as much money as we can it's going to get a little more mercenary and i think it's going to be a problem even for larger venues because some of the the contacts that i've met and what i would you know the larger music industry not just acapella the problem is is that a lot of the a lot of the a-list artists they're not going to need to go out on tour for six months to make the same money if this continues for much longer they'll be like all right i'm going to do two live shows from my backyard where we're going to bring in a set and stage and i'll have fancy lights and stuff and they'll make 70 percent of their take from a tour for two nights work and a couple of rehearsals rather than have to go out for six months so i think the whole industry is teetering on and when i say industry there i mean the whole music industry is teetering on a possible real huge sea change and where that's going to bite everyone is that it's going to be really great for the top people and the not tippy top people are going to get you know, it's going to be scrambling. I'm hoping that we'll start to see stuff happen probably next fall for events. I think this whole year now that the schools are shutting down is going to be, they're just going to be hoping to have students back in the campus in January. And the schools that are still open are no outside visitors are allowed. If you don't go to school, if you're not a student and you're not a teacher or a staff, you're not going on campus. So for events there, it's not not looking great. But you know, we're, we're going to try and start offering alternatives as much as possible. I know there's another one of the universities we work with in the Midwest. I've actually been talking to the TD at the school who is interested in possibly setting up. They have a mixer that I could, that I probably would either coach, realistically, I'd probably coach them, but he's like, hey, you could maybe mix them from your house. And I'm like, that's not going to work so with the latency and stuff. I think really the, what I'm kind of waiting to see, you know, people are always asking us about rehearsal options for online and virtually mixing and you know virtually mixing a live show i just don't think that's going to happen because of the way our nation's internet infrastructure is set up there's just too many waypoints between me and you know milwaukee for that to work if we were all in the same area for instance amanda's quartet you know we're all in the same geographic area and there's only four of them they possibly if some solution comes along that's a little latency and everyone's got a really nice computer with a wired connection maybe that could work because there's only four of them but you're never going to get a 16 person group on any kind of any kind of uh virtual rehearsal it doesn't matter how how much that's being touted that is possible it's just i don't think it's going to happen for a nationwide coverage type deal but you know we're being hopeful and going to continue to support you know i've spent many many hours over the last couple of months talking with groups that we normally work with and talking with the colleges and the student activities people just being like, yeah, we're here, you know, whatever we can do to help support these events coming back in whatever capacity, you know, just let us know. And hopefully it'll at some point work back up. Well, I'm most worried for the touring groups like the Six Appeals because I think their performance opportunities are just going to start to go away. Like Alex, you mentioned the sort of the opportunity for education and bringing more people into this business at the same time charlie's talking a lot about consolidation in the business and conceivably some of the players going away i mean both things are possible at the same time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do you feel like this picture might look like in a year i I think exactly what you said it's going to be a little bit of both there are going to be lots of people who are interested and kind of the same thing is going to happen i think it probably for lack of a better term at both tiers the people who are already established there may be a few who don't make it through as a business to next fall for various reasons. 
there are other people who are planning on retiring who are now not, one notably. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there will be lots of people like getting into this and being like, I'm really super interested. And then like a month in, they'll be like, I hate Melodyne, never mind, I'm gonna go code. And I mean, that happened before a pandemic to plenty of people or they're like, this sounds so cool. And then they get into the job and realize like, this is not for me or they don't realize that it is not for them. And the market decides that it is not for them because of their relative skill level. The same forces that have always applied, I think, to the market capitalism will apply here just maybe in a, a weirder and more unpredictable fashion in that there is going to be a, a flood at the bottom and uh, a kind of maybe let's say accelerated erosion at the top I'd still call it erosion because it is a relatively slow moving and less precipitous process occurring but I, I'd call it predictable almost or predictable unpredictability if if you had to put a name on it some people will not make it and some people will. Do you feel like, I mean, is there an opportunity with this sort of Sturm und Drang, this, this turmoil to get new voices, <laughs> figurative voices and perspectives into this business? I, I mean, this business seems to be pretty white pretty homogenous in some ways I, I mean is this an opportunity to increase to, to open the door to new people doing this and new you know points of view sure absolutely because the cost of entry is so low and has only gotten lower in the past few years and now is at such a point where like yes dropping four hundred dollars on recording equipment is still a lot of money but it is still less than the even a few years ago like thousand plus you would have to to produce anything even remotely functional or the people who even want to practice like well i have a phone and the microphone in there is like functional enough for me to mess around with sure i'll record myself eight times into GarageBand for ios and then edit it on my laptop like the technological gateways keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller which means the financial gateways get smaller and smaller and smaller which as a tangent to that means the privilege gateway is smaller and smaller and smaller so people can get into this with literally just the gumption that they have and basically pocket change or things they already possess that's not to say it's still easy it requires attention to detail persistence. I'm sure there's a German word for this. The indescribable feeling of knowing you're going to get something wrong. Yeah, it's probably like 24 letters long. Of course long. there yeah. is. It goes along with Sturmendrang. Sorry, this is just going to keep going. Yes, to the opportunity for people who are not white, not male, not cisgendered, not straight is huge because in so many parts of society, there have been barriers to people who do not look like me doing anything they want. And now there are, for so many reasons, fewer barriers to doing that. And those are perspectives we need, that we want, because like, yeah, our collective white boring experience is just one experience. And how can we possibly know how to come at certain types of music other than like essentially acting, faking it till we make it, as opposed to someone who like can hear a piece of music and be like, I feel that in my bones and my physical being. Let me help you with that. And like, if it turns out that there is someone else who is best suited to work on a song other than me because of their whole holistic being, like, great, cool. We want those people. Can I tag on to that real quick? I think to to add on to what Alex was saying, I totally agree with that sentiment, that I think the the real core of the opportunity here is that there will be less scrutiny 
on those what we would call lower quality or like lower fidelity recordings. That's going to be something that's just accepted as, well, that's what we got right now. Everyone's making music with that. So it doesn't matter. And it's not going to be compared against, you know, someone recording with a Neumann microphone as being like, well, that's not as good because it's like that. But like, it's just that more than anything, I think will level the playing field because, you know, as I was saying earlier, like the important thing about music is it makes you feel something. And that's literally going to be the only thing that matters going forward because we're all just kind of like what how can we do this what doesn't matter just get it recorded mel alex was talking about a lot of the barriers dropping to get new folks in it seems like one of the barriers that is still there is the reputational barrier right it was you know alex talked about it being a reputational business and sometimes that alone can make the doors feel more closed to people who are Mm -hmm. trying to get into it do you feel like are there strategies or ideas for new voices and new perspectives to get in particularly during this time when there's an opportunity for a lot more experimentation yeah for sure i think you have to find what you really enjoy about acapella and producing it and your style will start to come through and people will hire you for your style and your personality because that's another part of being a producer is you need to be able to vibe with a group or an artist or a client and communicate in a similar way or you know I don't know you kind of have to jive so that's an important differentiator between producers and and different people and so I know that certain people like people hire me for my sound and you know they also hire me I know like a lot of girl groups will hire me because I'm a chick so um, that's another thing. But, you know, I also have a very distinct sound. I like doing a lot more. I do natural acapella, but I also like doing a lot of like drum heavy kind of sound designy acapella. So I think when you find your niche within such an already small niche, that's kind of how you can stand out. And if you continue to work on that, then it kind of helps you to break through a little bit because not everyone's going to be like, let me listen to it. Sure. Like send it my, like they might say that, but that doesn't always mean that they will listen. And, and it is what it is. It's not anyone trying to block you out of anything, but you know, at the same time, like this is such an already small world within the greater world of music. So you kind of have to find your niche within this acapella genre, and then you'll start to stand out and people will start to be attracted to who you are and they'll want to work with you because of what your sound is and how your vibe is. I mean, that sounds very like crunchy granola, but it's true, you know, and what you offer as a producer too is going to be really important. Like, do you know how to vocal coach really well? Do you know how to be a good teacher? Because that's a lot of what I, I mean, a lot of being a producer in this field too is education and like teaching younger voices how to use their voice and really understanding the vocal mechanism. Like if I were a high school director, I'd want a producer that understands that well so they can have these kids get a really great experience recording or even in post-production knowing that knowing how to get certain takes for the post-production process. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. If you're trying to get into it and, you know, you're trying to build a reputation in a world that's so COVID-y, you have to just keep doing it and be patient and that it takes time. It just takes 
a long time. I mean, speaking of time and doing some of this educating and and coaching, that's something that I think is much easier to do when you're in person with someone. What's the criteria for you, Mel, and then I'll ask Alex and Charlie as well, to feel comfortable going to a site to spend time with singers? I mean, what, what needs to happen before you get in the car, plane, and head off somewhere? Yeah. So I've thought a lot about this, especially in the past month, even as a performer, because Six Appeal has a gig in September that I have to get on a plane for. And we've had a lot of conversations about it. And it's definitely something that we've taken very seriously and continue to, you know, go 80%. And there's still the 20% of like, okay, is this going to be as safe as we want it to be? It's really uncertain. And, you know, you try and be as certain as you can. You know, there are schools that are open, which I think is crazy, especially in Texas. There's a lot of schools that are open down here and are doing their best practices to social distance. But, you know, shoot, you're still, even with H, what is it, the cleaner, HBAC, there's only so much you can still prevent other than just like actually social distancing and just being online even for the first, the school that I, I usually work at for voice lessons is virtual for the first three weeks and then they're kind of coming back and discussing it. But, you know, as far as like comfort, if the schools aren't in session, I don't feel comfortable. And I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable now being in front of a group, let alone having the group be together singing. So... For me, it's like, how can I then work with the teacher or work with the college MD or, you know, the executive board to create some sort of experience for them working with me virtually? And that's kind of where my head at is right now. And I think in the future, this is going to end. It's going to end. But it's going to be different. Knowing that we have these opportunities moving forward could change the way us as acapella producers approach different ways of getting together and recording, which is going to be really interesting to see in the next coming next coming years. Yeah. Alex, how about for you? When when would you be comfortable leaving your grandfather's house? Yeah, I mean, the way the way it's put, it just makes it sound so silly. But I also have to consider that, yeah, he's I'd be coming back here and he's almost 87 as of like next week. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm fully with Mel in the fact that literally anyone is doing anything in any sort of group setting right now is bonkers. Mel, I feel for you that you have to get on a plane. That is not something that I feel comfortable doing at all. I feel less, honestly, you've probably talked about this, I feel less weird about the idea of planes than I do about the idea of airports. Airports. The airports. Plane air is filtered. The only air that will ever blow on you from those top things has been like literally shot through a jet engine. So like, Mm -hmm. you're fine. It's the airports. There's so many people. There's You can't really social distance. Yeah. As well Um, as you want. Like, I actually have have a an in-person recording session next week it is at a rented facility nearby here it is with one other person no one else will be there they will enter the facility go into the booth close the door wait five minutes and then i'm gonna walk in and the only time anyone's gonna take a mask off is when she's gonna sing that's basically the only way i feel comfortable right now we've talked about pre-quarantining for sessions My old group, the Amalgamates, always do a recording retreat with me and Coots during January for an album. It normally would be happening this coming January. We have at least discussed the idea of whether it's even possible to, like, 
enforce some kind of actual strict quarantine for everyone involved. But then we read the Tuft student handbook and like literally nothing can happen. Like no group activity related travel to any other location is allowed. So the the question as to whether or when I'm going to feel comfortable doing any kind of like large group in-person setting. Yeah, like Mel said, it's both about me and like I don't feel comfortable telling 10 to 14 people like, hey, can you like hang out together? But like with no strict distancing at all and like spit at each other for two hours a day for like four weeks and then we'll record some music (laughs) with you all wearing the same devices and spitting at the same thing for an hour and a half like none of that sounds responsible no matter how much sanitizing you do like oh yeah it's just yeah so the answer to when I will feel comfortable going back to any sort of in-person recording anything is when the U.S. looks like New Zealand. And I'm not really being hyperbolic about that. Yeah. Charlie, like, how about for you? Do you have any sort of criteria that you're you're using as a guideline for when you leave the house? I mean, for so this is tough because I don't actually do much recording for Clear Harmonies. And we've talked about, obviously, for live, that's going to be the absolute last thing to come back. And no one's going to do that and or go to anything unless it's absolutely already been proven to be safe to do anything like that. There's just too much liability involved. For me, I'm smash mouth bonkers, to use your word. You know, we've talked about with LER, our main recording engineer. We've talked about like what she's comfortable with and strategies. A lot of the schools that she works with are we're doing like porch drop off of equipment and they're going to record themselves with techniques that like Mel touched on earlier. That's that's sort of in the immediate future. No in-person in-person sessions are going to happen. But I think that my concern is that it's actually not going to go away. And this is just going to be a part of our annual disease cycle. I'm not being pessimistic. I just, you know, I'm, I'm keeping up with a lot of the, as we all are, the, the news. And I'm not sure I'm seeing it the way people are acting. I think it would require the entire country to hit pause for six weeks. And I don't think that culturally we're able to do that. I'm hopeful that it somehow something will happen that we'll figure out a way around it. For me personally, I don't know. I'm not comfortable right now. It's just going to be, I, I think I'm much in the same boat as Alex with the, you know, in the New Zealand boat, but that's, which is a great analogy. I, I think that it's going to be up to the individual and, and I'm always, always, always going to defer to the school whatever the school is dictating versus what, you know, the kids want, you know, or, or, or like to do. But I, I think I think the main thing to focus on is like, so we can't do that. What can we do? Yeah, we've discussed some stuff with actually with the amalgamates about some kind of like, hey, if you want to act like you're rehearsing, why don't you record some stuff yourselves in a very basic manner? Your music director can put it together and you can all listen to it. And then that can almost be like the teaching basis for eventually actually recording some stuff. So it serves them a purpose. It serves us a purpose. It's something we can actively help with instead of just being like, well, if we record something, good luck. We'll be here whenever you want. Yeah. Yep, you enjoy <laughs> audacity. There are lots well, of, folks- of, of opportunities like that to, to figure out ways of using what we do to, I don't want to say replace, but like inform help fill the void a little bit with something else well this hour of void has been substantively filled with a really (laughs) fascinating discussion about recording about production about sort of the future of acapella music and so we want to say thank you so much to mel danicky president of viridian productions charlie friday owner and engineer from clear harmonies and alex green co-owner and producer engineer with plaid productions thank you so much to our guests stay tuned next week when we do travel over Overseas, not quite to New Zealand, but we'll be speaking with Peter Huang from Mikapella, John Smith from the Swingle Singers, and Lorenzo Subrizzi from Rebel Bit. So that will be next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Polyphony.